When it comes to your health and wellness business, I'm sure you love the work that you do so much that you'd be happy to do it for free if it meant making a difference in the world. And you feel guilty if you charge your clients too much for something you love. Am I right? The thing is, this money mindset isn't serving you. Wouldn't it be better to move from a place of scarcity to one of abundance instead? You'd be in a place where you yourself aren't struggling and can serve those around you so much more, like by making donations and comfortably offering free support to those really in need. In this episode, I had the honor of interviewing wealth mentor Jackson Milan about cash flow and ways you can develop a million dollar mindset. As he put it, he's all about helping you turn the lights on financially so you stop fumbling around in the dark. I learned a lot from Jackson in this episode, and I'm sure you will too. So grab your pen and notebooks. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Marketing Me podcast. If you're eager to grow your health and wellness business via effective marketing methods while maintaining your own health and wellness, this podcast is for you. The show features a beautiful blend of guest and solo episodes covering marketing and business growth topics, as well as ways to improve your physical, mental, and emotional self. I'm your host, Leanne Shelton, and I run a health and wellness copywriting agency while also offering content marketing training. So whether you're keen to outsource or DIY, my team at Right Time Marketing is here for you. Either way, we'll ensure your message is seen and heard by your ideal client. If you're keen to connect, feel free to book in a free 15-minute chat after listening to today's episode. The details are in the show notes. And today, I'm joined by my guest, Jackson Milan. Welcome, Jackson. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited for our chat today. Yes, it's a long time coming. We did initially talk about this last year at some point. Um, But yes, very, very pumped to make this happen for Money Month for the podcast. So I had to have you on for this one. So just to introduce who you are, uh, so Jackson has a proven record of helping others create super profitable service businesses and fast track their way to financial freedom. Not only is he one of the most awarded people in the wealth space, he knows how to help you increase your profits, maximize your cash flow, and turn your business profit into personal wealth. These same strategies have his clients and students scaling wildly profitable businesses and achieving financial freedom in just a matter of years instead of decades. And Jackson's work on profitable service businesses, removing cash flow bottlenecks and creating financial freedom has been featured in magazines like Money Magazine. He's also been on the Today Show, ABC and the Financial Review. To top it all off, he's the international bestseller author of three books and spoken internationally to thousands. So that all sounds very impressive there. <laughs> yeah, but just a modest little old me. Oh, yes. Um, so <laughs> would you like to share a little bit more about your business journey? Like how did you even get into the whole money kind of thing? Um, were you always interested in it or you just kind of fell into it? 
Yeah. So anybody who looks at me knows I'm not a typical finance guy. Uh, they can see me coming from a mile away. And I didn't want to get into this space to be a typical finance guy. I got into this space because I wanted to help people like my parents. So my parents were business owners. Uh, my mum was a hairdresser. Uh, she was a very good technician, but really struggled at running the business. And my old man was a tradie. He was incredible with his hands. He could fix and build anything. And he jumped from trade business to trade business, always looking for greener grass, thinking that there was something wrong with the business when fundamentally there was something wrong with him. And it was not that he was not good at what he did. It was just that he was working for money and my mum was working for money as opposed to money working for them. And I remember as a kid watching them work tirelessly, um, seven days a week, 16 hours a day, and just living hand to mouth. Uh, They just always had enough, but there was never a surplus that allowed them to get ahead, allowed them to build wealth, and allowed them to create financial freedom. So at 19, I started training to become a financial advisor. And I very quickly become disheartened because I realized very early on that the financial advice industry at the time only really wanted to serve two types of people. They wanted to serve really wealthy people to make them wealthier. And they wanted to sell commission-based products to people like my parents who didn't need them. And it just didn't seem like what I thought it was. And I was very close to quitting. But before I quit, I asked myself the question, Jackson, if you were going to do this the way that you wanted to do it, what would you do differently? And I decided that I would bin the term financial advisor I would start calling myself a wealth coach, and I would start teaching people like my parents the language of money. And much like you do with copywriting and content marketing, um, you can't just abdicate responsibility. You need to learn this stuff for yourself because no one will ever do it as good as you. And no one will love your money as good as you do, uh, as much as you do. And so stop putting so much blind faith in other people. And uh, over the past 15 years, I've helped my clients build over $1.5 billion in combined wealth. That is so, so, so cool. So we're talking about like the, and first of all, yeah, great that you want to help your parents. I really love that that was like the, the incentive for you <laughs> and everything like that. Um, so yeah, we're calling the episode about having a million dollar mindset. Yes. What is your definition of that? And I guess as it's like part two for that question, what's financial fitness look like? How does that tie in? Yes. So let's talk about the million dollar mindset. So I'll start with a story and a little bit of an experience of where I had this epiphany moment. Now, in my early days working as an advisor, I remember working tirelessly to craft these holistic strategies for my clients that I would look for every little tactic, every little tax loophole, every single way for them to squeeze more out of their financial position. And I would always say to myself, if only these clients stick to the plan that I've set and follow it like clockwork, they're going to be able to amass immense levels of wealth. And I remember presenting them these strategies, really bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and being super excited about all of these great opportunities that I'd uncovered, only to quickly become really disheartened and frustrated when they didn't stick to the plan. Because it was there in black and white. It was logical. It made sense. They understood it at a, at a surface level. But what I come to realize is that for the vast majority of people, there is this invisible finance rules these unspoken rules, these habits and behaviors, these invisible ceilings that hold us back from doing the things that we know we should be doing that are going to get us to our goals. But for some reason, we just can't master up the the courage, the determination, the perseverance to do what we know we should do. And what this comes down to, Leanne, is that the vast majority of people, we have a long track history of what we call money memories. These are experiences, you know, things that we've endured, things that we've observed from our parents, our loved ones, our family. And these things carry weight and they become baggage. And it is this unresolved baggage that actually holds us back. And to be fair, 
This is extremely prevalent in the health and wellness space. Because what's really interesting is that most health and wellness professionals love what they do. If they could do it for free, they probably would. Exactly, yes. And there's this inherent guilt of making money and charging for doing things that they know that people just should be doing that is going to guarantee them great quality of life. And this becomes a vicious cycle that perpetuates financial battle and struggles. So how do we solve this? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to upgrade the internal operating system. And we actually need to look back in the past. We need to understand what are these money memories, these habits, these behaviors that we've accrued, the reasons why we've got so much scarcity around money, why we don't feel deserving of it. And we need to reprogram these pathways that allow us to go from a position of scarcity around money to having a frame of abundance. And we've got a methodology around this that we work with with our clients, and it is game-changing. It's, we refer to it as turning the lights on financially because most people are kind of stumbling around in the dark. Yes, that's very true. And I know all about the, I've read about money stories and I know I hold a lot of, um, that I'm, you know, just, yeah, you have to work hard to just make enough. Like that's kind of what I often see, you know, um, and then you, and then you see, I mean, look, also growing up, anyone who did have a lot of money, uh, I mean, my parents are often like, oh, you know, look at them, all that money. And so yes. I kind of start growing up that people with money are bad. And so yes. I know that it's kind of in me going, I don't want to be a bad person, so therefore I shouldn't have a lot of money. And I'm like, no, no, and I'm trying to surround myself people. You know, it's not the case. They're absolutely lovely. They've got money. They're still down to earth. And I think that's that's something I'm consciously aware of and trying to work through. It's very important, right? Because our words have power and these beliefs have power. And you're right. There's so many so many of these narratives that go around where it makes us view money with a subjective view because money is inanimate. It does, it's not good or bad. It's, it's not evil. Um, it, it is what you make of it. And sure, if you're, if you're not a nice person, then money can enable you to do even like even worse things. But if you're a great person and you're a happy person, then your money can be an enabler that allows you to do a world of good. And um, it's, it's, it, it adopts the story that you give it. And uh, I think this is critically important. And I think the other part here is that so many people are running other people's financial races. And what I mean by that is that they have bought into this, this societal um, superficial idea of what financial freedom is. And they haven't actually taken the time to work out what financial freedom actually means to them. Mm. And one of the first exercises we take people through, Leanne, is actually helping them work out what we call their financial freedom figure, which leads back to your other question of what determines financial fitness. Mm. So what we work out is our financial freedom figure is the amount of income that we would need to have coming in passively that you don't have to work for, that allows you to have freedom and flexibility over how you choose to live your life. So as a general range for most of our clients, that number ranges between $100,000 a year and about $300,000 a year. So for myself personally, my financial freedom figure is about 200000 Now, we have a very simple formula because I like making money very simple. The formula is your F3 divided by five times by 100 equals the net wealth that you require to be financially free. So for me, 200000 divided by five times by 100 is $4 million. Yep. If I have $4 million of net wealth, I will be able to draw $200,000 in income in perpetuity. It'll last for the rest of my life and allow me to create generational wealth. So my financial fitness is measured by how I'm progressing towards that goal. Okay, yeah. Makes it simple, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. So just to break that down, so is that the by five? Is that the five years? Is that what? So five it determines basically a essentially a an after tax rate of return of five percent. So if we can generate a five percent rate of return on four million dollars uh, after tax, then that should produce us two hundred thousand dollars a year in growth every year. Gotcha. All right. So what are your recommendations? How can what's the best ways for people to get that passive income? Yes. So there's a few things that we can do here. So the first thing we need to do is we actually need to create a roadmap because one of the common mistakes that I see, and I get many fitness professionals and wellness professionals reaching out to me asking this question, like, Jackson, where should I invest? Like, Should I be paying down my mortgage? Should I be buying property? Should I be investing in the share market? Should I be buying crypto? Um, whatever yes, it is. that's the latest thing, yeah. And <laughs> the latest craze. Yeah. But the thing is, once again, we need to define the destination. And the first thing we all need to do is we need to create a roadmap. And in my first book, I developed a methodology that's called the 20-year roadmap. And what that basically allows us to do is we work out and document all of our lifestyle and financial goals over 20 years, which sounds a little bit scary because most people don't know what they want tomorrow or for dinner tonight, (laughs) let alone in 20 years' time. Question for you, Leon: how far do you goal set in advance typically? Uh, On paper, formally, zero. I I, I know roughly... Yeah, and I roughly want to be making this much in the financial year. I know, like, yeah, I'm not a numbers person. <laughs> that's okay. And look, and that's that's a thing. But most of us, we we tell us if we're not numbers people, and I was very much the same. And I used to fly by the seat of my pants. But I realized that I was always coming up against scarcity-based decisions, right? Yeah. I want to go on this nice holiday, but I also want to buy an investment property. And mm. um, I want to buy a new car, but I also want to invest in the share market. Um, I want to do this, but I also want to try and do this. So we're always making this scarcity-based choice. And this is reinforced by the fundamental principle that we're all taught that we need to shrink ourselves wealthy. Mm. So if I want more in the future, exactly. I hate the word budgeting. It's a dirty word. Um, So my perspective on this as a business owner, if you can understand the fundamentals of this strategy, you shouldn't have to shrink yourself wealthy. You can have your cake and eat it too. Scarcity-based decision-making only has to occur if there is not enough means for you to do everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a mechanism of two things. One, you either haven't, haven't planned properly, or two, you haven't achieved the appropriate milestones to produce the cash flow to do what you want. And I think most people with a plan, and I'm sure you see this in your work, Leanne, when you give people a plan to follow, you say, hey, you've got to write this content, you've got to publish it on these days. They, they always rise to the occasion, right? or more often than not, would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Same thing with money. Um, we basically say, cool, we've now got this plan mapped out. You need to earn $150,000 a year in profit or whatever the number might be. And if you achieve that, you can live this amazing lifestyle and you can also build wealth at the same time. How much more exciting is that than having to make boring scarcity-based choices? Yes, I don't like that. How scarcity going, oh, I can't do this. Oh, that means I can't say yes to going out with friends or I can't like, uh-huh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Exactly. And it's this old school mentality, which forms the basis of not having a million dollar mindset, because a million dollar mindset allows us to have an abundance of choices. Yeah, And we can have an abundance of choices when we have an abundance of means. And we can have an abundance of means when we have an abundance of planning. And the problem is most people haven't been taught how to plan properly, particularly when it comes to their finances. Yeah. So in terms of where they put the money, it really comes down to their situation and what their, their yes. goal is. I mean, so we were looking into, yeah, potentially looking at an investment property um, type of thing and going through a company where they actually build the the property like, uh, house from scratch. So, you know, it's really high quality and everything like that. 
And so we probably wouldn't see the, you know, the income for about six months and we have to get all the finance and like, oh, is that worth it? Uh, it's it's kind of like the unknown. It's a bit of a, sure. it's like a gamble. And um, what do you say to anyone who's like uncertain about that, taking that step, taking that leap? Yes. So look, I think the big part here is once we've got our plan mapped out, the next thing we need to do is we need to understand what we call our investment operating system. Mm-hmm. And an investment operating system gets us from making subjective knee-jerk financial decisions based on what feels right, which there's an element of, of trust and blind faith that goes into that, and shifting that into being able to make objective pass-or-fail investment decisions of saying, hey, this investment actually gets me closer to my goals within the level of risk that I'm comfortable taking, or it doesn't. Now, assuming we've got that and we help our clients create this and we educate them how to understand the different asset classes. But when we boil it all down, Leanne, there is only three ways to make money in this world. Mm -hmm. There's business. So it's about creating cash flow from your business and building a valuable business that you'll be able to sell one day. But we shouldn't bank on that. We shouldn't bank on selling the business. We should only bank on the cash flow our business produces. Two, property. I believe that property is a phenomenal asset class but I want to buy good quality blue chip real estate that is established, that I have no risk around construction or development applications or finance approval. I want stuff that exists now that I can go in and I can see it and I can inspect it and I know what it's done historically. And I want to buy that in good areas where there's quality tenants Mm -hmm. that are going to pay the rent on time, that are going to allow me to increase my rent over time and that where people desire to want to live because that's what pushes up property prices. And then the third is investing in the share market. This is not about stock picking. I don't stock pick because the reality is that unless you're a professional investor, most people do not have the time to do the research and the due diligence required. And they're throwing darts at a dartboard. They're like, oh, yeah, Tesla sounds good and Telstra looks great. And they're guessing. So how we do that is we invest using an index fund. Have you heard of that term before? No, I haven't. Okay, cool. So let me explain. So an index fund is basically allowing you the ability to buy every single stock in a stock market. So for example, most people might be familiar with the term ASX 300, which is the top 300 companies in Australia, or in the US, the S&P 500, which is the top 500 companies. So if you went and bought either of those indexes, and let's say you put $1,000 in, that $1,000 would be automatically split between, say, those 300 or 500 companies proportionally. So what that now means is that you get the average of those 300 or 500 companies. Some are going to do fantastic. Some are going to do pretty crap. Some are going to do average. But we get the average of how they all do. And I think it's pretty safe to say that those 300 or 500 companies are going to be doing better in 10 years' time than they are doing today. And it's very low cost and it's systematic. Because we know that the stock market on average is produced about 9 to 10% on average. We don't need any more than that. Uh, then, So what's the point of stock picking? Because there's a report that's done every year. What's really interesting, Leanne, it's called the Spiva Report. And it basically benchmarks professional investors and their ability to outperform the market. Now, as a percentage, how many professional investors do you think successfully outperform the market over the long term? If you had to have a stab in the dark, Leanne. <laughs> Five <laughs> percent. Oh, you're you're ruthless. No, it's 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 only about fifteen percent over a ten year plus period of time. So, what that means is that even professional investors, that it's their full time job to try and outperform the market. Only fifteen percent of them 
yeah. are successfully able to do And you was going to be a number that you know, surprised me. That's why I went really low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. It's, I probably compare it to trying to work out the Google al- algorithm or Facebook Correct. or something. Like no one can really get it. You just got to do your best. <laughs> and that's the most important part here, right? We can invest or we can make decisions based on ego. I'm going to try and work out the Google algorithm. I'm going to try and pick the best stocks. But is that what's really going to drive value in your business and drive value in your life? Mm. Probably not. It's about playing to win and do the things that you can control. And what we can control as business owners is we can control growing our business, we can control increasing our profits, and we can control how we systematically turn that business profit into personal wealth using property and shares in a systematic and methodical way. It's boring, but it should be. So what was the the index thing? So how can someone get access to that? Where do you go? Where do you start? Yeah. So basically, you can just jump online, go on Google, do a bit of a search, Index Funds Australia. There's heaps of them. Now, what we typically do when we work with our clients, we will help them find the appropriate uh, blend of index funds or uh, underlying investments that suit their risk tolerance. But you can go and do some research. You can get a bit of an understanding of it. There's some really great uh, information. And of course, um, I'm going to give you guys some access to my best-selling books and some other resources that will give you a much deeper understanding of how these things work. Um, So you can learn more about it and uh, start taking steps in the right direction. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I want to check that out. Um, So basically, it's kind of like then if that, you know, money's divided over a whole bunch, you can then see which one's going particularly well and you can then choose, oh, I'll put a bit more money into that one or something like that. It kind of gives you a good little tester, doesn't it? It's going to give you the average of all of them. So what we focus on is not necessarily trying to double down on the ones that are doing better or not. We just focus on putting money into the market. Just something, Um, yeah. Exactly, because the whole problem here that we finally end is when people are trying to be tactical with their investments, they use that to defer their decision-making. Yeah. It's a bit of a gamble, like, isn't it? A bit it of is. A, yeah. It really is. Yeah. And what happens, like, as a business owner, because we're so busy, like, we were only talking before we went online here that you've got competing priorities, you're a mum, you're running a business, you're doing all of these things. And what you'll commonly find, and we see this across clients who start working with us and have tried to be active in their investing, is that they say, I'm too busy. I don't have time to research those stocks. Or I don't know which ones are doing the best or not. I don't have time. So what that means is they defer their decision-making which means they've got less money in the market, which means there's less compounding, which means that their trajectory to financial freedom is much slower. Mm. Whereas when we can have an index style approach, like for example, in my own personal strategy, I invest in one single index fund. I never change it. The only thing I change is every quarter when I increase my profit distribution for my business, I increase my automated contribution to my portfolio. And I do that every single quarter. I change one thing. The one thing I can control, which is how much I contribute. And everything else just takes care of itself. Nice, nice. And you can just leave that money there indefinitely, really. You need to pull it out when you're like, yeah. But just knowing it's there working for you without you doing anything. Hands off. Exactly. And that's the fun part because we can systemize it. Let's face it, money can be boring. There's better things that you could be doing with your life. So when we can systemize it and automate it, it means that we're creating bandwidth that we can go and invest into doing more, spending more time with the kids or going back to our hobbies or doing other things that we enjoy knowing that that's taking care of itself. Love it. So, okay. So how can someone master cash flow and turn profits into personal wealth? I mean, there's also, I want to talk about, you know, the business owners, you know, quite often I hear stories of, oh yeah, all profits I was put back into the business and you're like, okay, but is that helping you like on a personal level or you just living, you're eating off, you know, eating, tuna noodles but your business is going really well because you just um yeah i want to get your thoughts on all of that this is really interesting and 
Yeah. The, the first thing that I want to share is that less than 6% of businesses are ever sold for a profit if they're ever sold at all, particularly in the health and wellness space, because they are goodwill service businesses in the majority of times, and they are very key person dependent. So no one is going to buy you. When you retire, it's likely that your business has no or very little value. So what are you reinvesting in? It's the reason why it happens is because our business, we've invested so much time and effort into it. And the idea that it's the most amount of money that we've ever managed. And when we're increasing the vanity metrics, we see our revenue increasing. We see our client base increasing. We're able to hire staff. But the ultimate question is, out of every dollar that you earn, how much of that dollar is yours to keep? And the big problem here, Leanne, is that most businesses suffer from a behavioral principle called Parkinson's law. Are you familiar with it? No, no. Okay. So Parkinson's law is a behavioral principle that governs all of us as human beings. And what it basically means is that as a human, we use the means we have available. So the more means we have, the more means we use. A great example of this is like when you're at school and and you've got an assignment, right? And there's eight weeks to do the assignment. When do you start the assignment? Uh, ideally, you should be straight away, but probably what week seven? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. When you said, I probably do it the night before. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that if you're a teacher said to you that you had to do it in four weeks, you just adjust your timeline accordingly. The same thing happens with cash flow. As your business grows its cash flow, the top line revenue increases. We suffer from cash flow creep, where our expenses just happen to increase proportionately and sometimes in excess of that income growth. Mm. And that's not doing you any favors. So how do we fix this? Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash is king. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) Cash is all that matters. So... We need to flip the formula that most people use to run their business. So how most people run their business is they work out revenue minus expenses equals profit. And like our accountants even say this to us. They say profit is the bottom line, which means profit is last. Parkinson's law. It's going to gobble up that cash flow. It's going to gobble up the profit. So we use human behavior to flip the formula. It's now revenue minus profit equals expenses. Mm. So we presuppose the profit and then we only spend what is left after profit has been taken off the table. We've done this with so many clients, particularly in the the health and wellness space. And on average, we are able to increase their profitability by 15 to 20%. Amazing, just changing the way they, yeah, nice things. Because, yeah, because I've read like the Barefoot Investor and, you know, the whole, yeah, profit first stuff as well and all that kind of thing. And so I try to do that. I'm like, all right, well, this is how much I have to put into my my personal bank account. Yes. And then just put that in there and work out with my husband what that needs to be just to, you know, keep things moving along. And then it's like, all right, anything else can I put into like our, our home loan? So it's kind of paying off the home loan. It's sitting there, you know, offset account. Um, and yeah, and then expenses, I actually, he keeps using the word budget on me. So I've been procrastinating, but I do need to really look at what my expenses are going. All right. Um, am I okay with covering these? Are they all necessary? I think most of them are, but I think I need to just look at it properly and go, yes. Or is there like a need to move to new CRM, for example, which I know will have like bookkeeping in it. So therefore that investment can remove that expense, can probably remove the this other expense and save there. Um, but yeah, so I'm very mindful of, yes, definitely. Why am I doing the business? Like I was saying to you offline, um, flexibility around my family and also to yes. put money towards my family. It's not just to 
yeah, keep the business flowing, I need to keep my personal life flowing too. Exactly. And that's the thing. Our business is a vehicle that allows us to have that freedom of choice. So if your business is a cash eating monster, uh, then it's not providing you with that surplus cash flow that could be fueling all of your ambitions. So I think you, you've definitely done things the right way. Now, look, Barefoot's great. It's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. However, I do find that as business owners get more levels of sophistication, their business grows, the percentages don't necessarily work as well as they might have if you had a more simpler situation. So our methodology is about doing not a budget, but we call it a personal profit and loss. And it's like treating your household as a business. So in our business, we've got a profit and loss. We work out what's our income, what are our running expenses, and then how much profit do we have available? And it's the same thing we do in the household. And then what it allows us to do is to tailor how much we put into each of these buckets to allow us to control that expense and maximize surplus. Because once again, it's not the money that you make that matters. It's what you keep that counts. Yeah. Yeah, because I kept saying, oh, yeah, my business is making this much. And um, my husband would remind me, yeah, but how much are you actually depositing into our bank account? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's significantly <laughs> less, you know. Um, but I'm getting there. I'm like, all right, well, that means if I make my business is earning this much and I'm bringing in half of that, then, then I'm happy with it. You know, it's all beautiful. Yeah. Um, so we yeah, just want to before I go into my usual questions, ask my guests, uh, what are your tips for overcoming those limiting beliefs around money? The ones that you, you see all the health and wellness business owners come up with yes. some tips to take, take away. Yes, so we've got to realize that when it comes to money, when it comes to anything, there are two operating systems that most of us operate from. We either operate moving away from pain, so we get ourselves into a painful situation, an uncomfortable situation, and we work our way out of it. Or we work to it from an operating system of moving towards pleasure. And unfortunately, for most health and, and wellness and fitness professionals, they're the, the former. And they move away from pain. And they always find themselves a way to get out of that battle situation, find enough to pay the bills. But it becomes a vicious cycle. So what we need to do is we need to create a catalyst for change. We need to shift our operating system to move towards pleasure. We want to get to that position of comfort and keep ourselves there, but we also want to move towards a position of growth. So we're not always on the back foot trying to fight. And how we do this is we need to ask ourselves three questions. Question number one, what is fundamentally important to you? What are your non-negotiable needs? List out as many of them as you could possibly think of. Two, assuming that your fundamental needs are met, what then becomes your goals your dreams, and your aspirations. Once again, list out as many as you can possibly think of. And then for each of those goals, dreams, and aspirations, what is the significance of those goals, dreams, and aspirations to you? Why are they important? If you do this once every 90 days, at least, it will shift, it will evolve, it will change, it will give you a reason to shift that operating system to start moving towards pleasure because these are the pleasurable things that you want. And it now gives us a reason to start doing things differently when it comes to our money. Yeah, it's just like, you know, booking in a holiday for three months' time. You're like, all right, I have to earn money. I have to save enough money for that, you know, part of the holiday. I mean, like a ski holiday, you know, they get very expensive. Um, You know, we're talking about that. So you've got sometimes actually booking it can force you rather than saying, oh, we'll just see if we've got any money left over by the time winter hits. Um, you know, I think that can really work as your deadline, just like a teacher setting an assignment, like you said. I agree. Um, and then you go, all right, this is what I'm working towards, rather than thinking, oh, I just want to make sure that 
enough money to get through the week. Um, I mean, I've we've never really been paycheck to paycheck, thankfully. The only debt we had, like we perfect, we have a credit card, we paid off every time, every month. I mean, it's always scary that big chunk comes up, but it's okay, we've got that money. Um, but we've otherwise only got the mortgage. So and thankfully, you know, things have been going well. So in putting the money aside, going, all right, yep, making sure I'm not overspending, because I know what you mean about that, you know, oh, earning more. Oh, that means I can spend more. That's very easy to, to happen. And suddenly like, I'm in the same position, but I'm earning more. Uh, exactly. Yeah, until I get that. Um, that's been a really good conversation, actually. So thank you so much. Um, and I wanted to now ask you, uh, what type of marketing works best for you and your business, Jackson? Yeah, content marketing has been a game changer for us. What we do oh, is you, very advocate. intimate <laughs> and I'm, I'm a big advocate. I love content marketing and learning how to do content marketing. I think, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you can't abdicate responsibility with this stuff because you've got so much IP, so much genius in your head, and that's the basis of good content marketing. So don't be f- afraid of it. Work with somebody like yourself, Leanne, learn the systems and how to unpack that IP, package that genius and communicate that message because it's a game changer particularly when you're dealing with something that's so intimate like wealth or like health, it is a huge amount of trust. And the more that you can convey your message, convey your story, convey your experience, convey your your expertise through content marketing, the lower the buyer's resistance is for them to choose to work with you. Um, And what's interesting is that you get people reaching out to you and they speak to you as if they're your best friend because they already know everything about you. Um, So content marketing has worked incredibly well for us. Yeah, brilliant. Actually, I was just having this conversation with someone today about, she's like, oh, I'm just resharing. I don't know what to put in my posts. I'm just resharing my blogs every now and again. And I'm big on repurposing. The regular listeners would know that. And so I'm like, look, all those blogs, break them down to like five. Actually, this this blog itself probably has 10 gold nuggets that you can just share as separate posts. And then uh, it's based in autumn. So then next year, just reshare it. Um, and yeah, she's like, oh, you're right. I never even thought about breaking apart what I've already got. So right. 100%. You have, like you said, so much IP in your brain. It may be just general knowledge for you, but other people are like, wow, that's a game changer. So just, um, and I always say as well, people scared, oh, I'm giving away all my secret herbs and spices and they're not going to then pay for it. I'm like, no, people don't have the time or the skills or the, um, all the energy. What's interesting is it. they pay more. Um, I share absolutely every single piece of our IP for free. Yeah. And I openly tell people, I go, if you actually just mustered up the courage to go and implement all of this stuff, you would get the results. But the reality is when people pay, they pay attention. And when they pay a lot, they pay a lot of attention. And um, so, uh, so it's uh, giving away your IP is the best thing you could ever do. Yeah, yeah, totally great. It helps them get to know you, and then they get trust, and then invest in you. Um, and so, how can, well, how do you, sorry, look after your health and wellness? Yep. So I've uh, we've, we've recently bought a, a seventy acre farm, and we've built an animal sanctuary here. So we've been here since October, um, and we're very active on the farm. We have the animals early in the morning, um, looking after them, working around the property, so that keeps them very physically fit. But I've been a lifelong martial artist. I've trained jujitsu uh, for about eight years in between injuries because uh, it is very taxing on the body. Uh, however, I believe martial arts has taught me a lot about business and about life, and uh, it's, uh, it's it's been a, a very very great metaphor for how to handle and solve problems. And it's an, enabled me with um, some amazing tools that's allowed me to, to navigate life and business uh, with a lot less stress and more confidence. Is that because the, the mindset side of it or? It's like, a, it's like human chess. And what's interesting is in Jiu-Jitsu, it's the ultimate leveler. And um, 
you don't know who you're rolling with. You don't know what day they've had, what's going on at home. Um, when you're rolling with somebody and you're, you're battling against each other to get a submission or get the position, uh, you forget everything. Uh, it's very hard for you to dwell on whatever difficult day or stressful day you've had or what's going on when somebody's trying to choke your life away. So, <laughs> and yeah, look, yeah. It's all done with the best intentions. No one gets hurt. Um, however, uh, it is very taxing on the body. Um, so I've had a lot of injuries over the years, but I, I enjoy it nonetheless. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, and how can people connect with you? Yeah, so we've put together a 40-point financial performance scorecard, which is the top 40 things that get in the way of most people creating financial freedom. Now, we've done this with thousands of businesses the world around, and the average score is about 18 out of 40, which is pretty scary. So what we've put together is a gift pack, which is going to give you access to the 40-point performance scorecard, now copies of my best-selling book, calculators, worksheets. And if you just go to www.wealthhealthcheck.com.au, and so that's wealth healthcheck.com.au. Now you get all those resources for free. Now you'll be able to do the scorecard and don't dwell on your score. I don't care if you're five or you're 35, just focus on the things that you can shift and change over the next 30, 60 or 90 days. And let's just start getting financially fit. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'll put all that in the show notes so everyone can access them, get on them and be honest with yourself, whatever your score is. You don't have to share it with anyone, um, but you know where Jackson is. Uh, so you're across socials as well, if you want to reach of out. Course, or yeah. Search for me, Jackson Milan, add me as a friend. I post lots of content. There's a mixture of wealth and crazy farm antics. Uh, so uh, hopefully I can keep you entertained. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jackson. This has been really good. My absolute pleasure. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. You can find show notes for the episode at marketingandme.com.au. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave me a rating and review via Apple Podcasts and grab a screenshot of this episode and share it across your socials to get the message out there. If you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to reach out via LinkedIn. Just search for Leanne Shelton and let me know you're a fan of the show. You can also find me on Instagram under LeanneShelton247 or book in a free 15-minute chat because I'd absolutely love to chat about how I can help you grow a thriving health and wellness business. Until next time, I wish you good health and good wealth.